You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's going to be a bad show, so if people are already having a bad day, I'm sure they are with the snow falling all across New England, they they better just turn this off right now, because it is not... I mean, it's not going to be a bad show, we just have bad news. It's unfortunate news. It's going to be a great show. It's Tuesday, March 13th, this week in Celtics basketball. I'm Bobby Manning, this is the Celtics Blog Podcast, and it is a dark, stormy day and a brutal week of Celtics news. All in one week, Jalen Brown enters the NBA concussion protocol after what looked like it could have been a career-ending injury up in Minnesota. And it did not get any better from there. All in the course of two days heading out of this weekend, Kyrie Irving leaves a game with left knee soreness, described as tendonitis. His status going forward is uncertain as the Celtics return to the court Wednesday against the Wizards. Daniel Tice's fate is certain. After banging knees in the end of the Indiana loss, hobbling around after the game, he has a torn meniscus and his season is over. His fantastic season. And Marcus Smart narrowly missed having his season ended on Los Angeles punching a picture frame. We will see what his season has in store. Had just reached plus 54. 20.7 rebound, 8 assists game with 4 steals against the Pacers in which he dove for a loose ball in the third quarter that may have torn a tendon in his right hand. We'll be awaiting more news on him. There's conflicting reports out there. Shams Scalaria, right? He says it's a torn tendon. Mark Murphy came out and refuted that. Celtics don't know. We're going to learn more in the next few days. Who we are going to try to learn from today is NBC Sports Boston sideline reporter Abby Chin, who was at Celtics Media Availability today. And Brad Stevens only had time to discuss one player in a day where he has three players on the men, not to mention Al Horford, who has gone under the weather. Who's going to play Wednesday against Washington? On national TV, Gershon Yabusele, he's been recalled. It's a, it's a scary time. There's plenty of games left. 
The Celtics' magic number to clinch the two seed in the East is nine, but they're running out of time to catch the Raptors, who they do have a game coming up against. Not the best time for the injury bug to strike. Especially with Gordon Hayward confirmed to be out for the season. Cannot have any more bodies going down. And Daniel Tice, an extraordinary story out of Germany this year. 3.4 defensive box plus minus. If that qualified, if his minutes held firm there, that would be fourth in the NBA. An elite number in that category. He's been putting up great stats. You look across the rookies in the NBA. He's top 10 in a lot of the categories. Field goal percentage, 54%. That's fifth. He's 12th in free throw percentage. He's 9th in rebounds at 4.3 per game. And he's only playing the 30th most minutes among rookies. And then his 31% three-point percentage on the season doesn't look great. But he's 40.6 since January 1st. He's found comfort in that shot. He's 7th in blocks. He's been a sensational part of the team this year. And his numbers back that up. Great pick and roll player. Able to hit shots on the perimeter. He's mobile. He can get out and guard guys the way Aaron Baines can't. And if this was going to be the Celtics bench unit. Marcus Smart, Terry Rozier, Semi Ojale, Marcus Morris, Daniel Tice. They spent nine games together. 41 minutes. Worked to a plus 8.4 net rating. Maybe not a huge sample size, and I will throw the caveat out there that Tice playing with the starters is negative 1.6 in 50 minutes. Tice playing with Tatum and the bench crew, minus 5.6. And then a minus 28.9 when playing with Tatum, Morris, and the bench crew. We'll see how Greg Monroe's able to fill that spot going forward for now. We see what Abby Chin has to say out of Celtics practice today. Our guest on episode 30 of the Celtics Blog Podcast. Is there hope? can tell by the tone of my voice I'm not feeling great about this. We'll see how Abby's feeling. With us now, NBC Sports Boston, sideline reporter for the Celtics. For another year, Abby Chin, you know her well, and she's here to talk with us on the Celtics Blog Podcast. Welcome, Abby. Thank you for having me. Unfortunate news of the day, though. My first question is, have you ever seen a week like this with so many injuries happening in such a short span? I mean, no, I haven't seen a day like this. We showed up to the practice facility with news that Daniel Tice was out for the season with a meniscus injury despite the fact that Brad told us last night that he didn't think that it was anything serious, that it was just a knee-on-knee contact. I will say our NBC Sports Insider, Ashra Blakely, spoke with Daniel. He was leaving the arena last night, and he was not feeling good. And then the news, the hits just kept coming, the fact that we knew Kyrie was dealing with this soreness, but Brad said they are definitely going to take it slow, and so, which rightfully so, but there's just, not necessarily a timetable for him. There's no timetable for Jalen Brown to come back. And then you get the news about Marcus Smart, who has been the key for this team, particularly since the All-Star break, after he came back from that first hand injury. And the hit just keeps coming. Brad Stevens himself, that he has never experienced a season like this. I mean, when you 
start with the loss of Gordon Hayward, that piece that they had built almost their entire team around, that the entire offseason building around on the first game, and then to have all of this snowball for the last month of the season, I mean, we just have to cross our fingers and hope that guys can – there is enough time for guys to get healthy before the playoffs start. They're on a very thin line right now, it feels like. And some yeah. injuries, are, some seasons are just derailed by injuries. And they're not at that point yet, it seems like, but they're getting awfully close. Uh, Brad asked uh, if any of the media members want to step up and take a spot today at practice, I, I thought. Who are you volunteering for that role? How frightening is that? Um, <laughs> Jay King of Math Live plays in a men's league once a week. I know with uh, maybe some of the assistant coaches, so he's probably the most ready. But I can tell you, Gal is ready to go at any moment. <laughs> you call his number, he's ready to go. I'm waiting on a Scal versus Jay one-on-one. I actually played Jay one-on-one last week, uh, summer. I'll give, I'll give his shot. Approval, not as standardized. His conditioning is not where it needs to be from the, from the team right now. I think that's a good assessment. That's a good scouting report on Jay. So you just got to run him around a little bit and he's done. Yeah, he needs, he needs a little work on the treadmill, not so much on the three-point line, which <laughs> Brad, Brad will take, I guess. Much less fun to work on, though. That's the problem. Yeah. I'll agree with that one, especially when it's snowing outside. You, you guys talked about weird Celtics Twitter on post-up this <laughs> week. <laughs> I, I want to know how you enjoyed that conversation because I actually talked to Max on this show a, a week or two ago about it, and then the story just really blew up with Dime article. <laughs> how did how did you take this thing? I know you're on Twitter yourself, and I mean, for some people, this is right up their alley, and for other people, I'm sure they look at this and they're like, all right, what is going on here? <laughs> No, I, I love it. I love the memes that come out of it, and I love all the nicknames. I, I, I shouldn't say I love all the nicknames. I am a fan of most nicknames that come out of this just because I like nicknames in general. However, I am not on board with Tito. He has, Terry Rozier has repeatedly said his nickname is Tiro, and I don't feel like we should force something on him that he is not on the same side with, that he is not for. So, that's my only beef with Celtics, with weird Celtics Twitter right now. But I agree. I think it's something that has definitely blossomed within, I mean, I think it really started when Isaiah Thomas came on and it was such a phenomena and everything that he was doing. And then to see it turn into what it has been with Kyrie Irving now driving that ship and then combat muscles with Sonny Ogilvy. And I just think, I think it's so cool. I think that's one of my favorite parts about the NBA is that these players get to actually showcase their personalities and get to not necessarily be their own brand, but just can put themselves out there and we actually get to know them a little bit. And then off of that, we can kind of build and people can create and add to those personas. And so I think it's a really fun part of being a fan of the Boston Celtics. I think now we just got to work on getting the Celtics Twitter on par with, like, the Trailblazers and the Hawks. Ugly. <laughs> yeah. To kind of to also embrace Celtics weird Twitter. They have a little while ago to catch up, I would say. Uh, <laughs> my favorite picture still to this day has to be smart, just given that face in the serious radio interview he was in. That, that picture just kills me every time <laughs> I see it. There's so many good ones. I feel like 75% of them have to do with smart, but that's all right. He, he's earned it with okay. the way he's played. Yes. <laughs> uh, and that's what Max Letterman, who you mentioned, said. He sent out 
a call to Weird Celtic's Twitter for some of your best memes, and his phone was just like, was buzzing. It wouldn't stop. He had to turn off the notifications because his phone was just constantly, <laughs> people were sending him all kinds of good stuff. And he just had, I mean, even though he is partially driving the conversation and is entrenched in Weird Celtic's Twitter every day, even he was amazed by just the abundance of memes and <laughs> pictures and videos that were out there. And so it's, it's a pretty cool thing. How do the players feel about this? You're on the team all the time. I know Terry Roger and a few of the others that are aware that this is going on, and they're all on social media, so I'm sure they see a little bit of it. But do they, do they acknowledge this at all? <laughs> Not really. And I think that they're on social media to post about themselves and follow the people that they are interested in following. And so I'm not sure how aware they are of everything. I, when I asked Terry about the nickname, you know, he definitely said it's T-Rose. And just, I think they're very involved in their day-to-day. -day. This is just for an example, but earlier this season, I asked Daniel Tysopini what the Tommy Award was, and he had no idea what I was talking about. So <laughs> I know that that's, that's not that's any That's really part out of the loop right there. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's what I mean. I, I know that's not any part of Weird Celtic Twitter, but it, um, I think just shows they're pretty focused and dialed in on the task at hand, what they're doing. You know, Brad definitely has them focused on what they're doing day to day, and um, as he always says, getting better every day. And then I think they use social media to communicate and talk with their fans, but it's kind of a one-way street. Brad kind of feels like the only one who's need proof at all of them, to be honest. Um, there, <laughs> what there are you talking are... about? Mad Brad? <laughs> Oh, I mean, that's he has, right. <laughs> he has some faces. When he actually does show emotion, I feel like Celtic Twitter is pretty good about capturing that and making the most of it because you don't get those opportunities very often. I forgot about Mad Brad. <laughs> Mad Brad that's, is the real deal. It's that's, right. why, that's why you're <laughs> on the timeline, Abby. You're, you're on top of it all. Uh, and we, we have a lot to be on top of today. There are about <laughs> six, seven injuries I could address here. I think we're only really going to have time to – dig into three completely, and, I mean, take your pick. <laughs> Kyrie Irving is what we I want to laughing with. Sad, I, I, I should not, because this is not good. And the Kyrie Irving situation kind of scares me a little bit because there seems to be a lot of uncertainty here. He, they, they say the broken patella that he suffered in 2015 is going to require surgery one day. And then there was the article that he threatened Cleveland with surgery if they weren't going to trade him, and... It kind of felt like after all that fallout came that this was just going to be something that wasn't going to affect him within the context of this season. But he has missed strings of games with lower leg injuries, now a knee injury. He missed the Pacers game yesterday or two days ago now, rather. Second half, um, yeah. Yeah. What led him to be taken out of that game? He told us in the locker room afterwards he has been dealing with soreness in that left knee. It is the same knee that he had the broken patella in um, in those finals. He said he's been really feeling sore since the Houston game, and he had missed one game since then, um, and then came back. He said he was feeling okay going into the Pacers game, but after that first pass, he knew he was just – it was more uncomfortable than he wanted to deal with. And so the thing with Kyrie, and even though he's only 25 years old, he's experienced – so much in this league and has played into and through the NBA Finals for 
three, four, is it four straight seasons? And so he, uh, more than anyone on this team right now, knows his body, knows what it's capable of, and knows what he is capable of through an extended season. And so I, well, I agree with you that I think that it is somewhat alarming that this issue is really coming to a head at this point in the season. I will say that the Celtics have been planning for this. I mean, Brad Stevens hasn't played Kyrie an exorbitant amount of minutes all season. They've been working to save him as much as possible and use him as efficiently as possible. That has been the plan all season long, not trying to put too much wear and tear on Kyrie's body throughout the regular season. And I think part of the maintenance of that has gotten him to the point with missing so few of games. And then I think he said last night he's hopeful that it is not something that will require any sort of long-term treatment. It is something that he is going to have to deal with, but I mean as far as a season-ending surgery or um, a surgery this summer that could knock him out for the summer. I really don't know. I know that the Celtics are going to be cautious. And with this new training staff, everything is being treated with an abundance of caution and communication. So everyone is aware of the situation. Everyone knows exactly what's going on, what the risks are, how things are improving, what's happening. And so I really think that they will do what's best for Tyree and his knee. And talking to him last night, he did not sound too concerned about what that meant for him going into the postseason. Now, how much time he's going to miss giving it some rest and making sure that he will be ready for an extended postseason run, I can't say for sure. But I think just based upon what he said and how he sounded last night, I think he will be okay and good to go for the playoffs. It does feel like we're going to be going game to game on that, and that makes sense. I do feel like they've managed him well this year. The minutes have been low. They've taken him out of second half that they've been blowing out teams in. I'm, I'm not too upset about how they've handled that situation. Um, Daniel Tice really just kills me. I, I, I found that out this afternoon, and I was stunned because, like you said to begin the episode, it, it didn't seem like it was going to be that severe coming out of the game against Indiana, and then out of nowhere he's gone for the season. I don't want to say he's been underrated, but it can't be understated how important he became to this team overachieving this year. He held down the bench unit to a point where I think you could argue that he might have been the most important bench piece, the way he played both ends of the floor, rolling to the basket, playing defense. He actually had a defensive box plus minus that was amongst the best players in the league, which says a lot about what he's been able to contribute this year. If you look at the rookie stat leaderboards, he's in the top ten in a number of them. And he wasn't even playing that many minutes. There were some nights that he'd be in and out. But he, they are going to miss him, I feel like. What do you think they're going to miss most about Tice? I think they're going to miss his defensive energy. And as a big, he just gave the Celtics a different look. He's very different from Greg Monroe and Aaron Baines. And so when the Celtics go small, you can put Daniel Tice at the five, and he is quick enough to stay with the smaller fives in the league, but big enough to actually stand his ground down there under the post. And he also has that defensive tenacity. His presence on defense, I agree with you, too. I, I wouldn't say that he is the most important part of that second unit, because I think we've seen what Marcus Smart means to that group. But and we're going to talk about him say. before the show's done, too. Yes. 
I will say the Daniel Tice is a huge loss just because it does give the Celtics another look, something else that they could turn to. And I agree with you that he was a revelation. I mean, it's, he is older, but he is still a rookie. This was his first NBA season. And we, I just remember going back to the first month of the season and we were amazed at how quickly you could see through the preseason and then the first maybe week or week or two of the season that the NBA game was moving a lot faster than he was used to, but he adjusted and he really brought something, an energy and a fire off of that bench that fueled that second unit. And so I do, I agree with you. I think it's a huge loss. I think that he is a guy who is well-liked in that locker room. Terry Rozier, we talked to him today. He said he's his locker mate. He sits next to him and he says it's, it was, it's really disappointing to see his season end like this so abruptly. And I will say, I know the team said that he will miss the remainder of the season, but Brad Stevens today said he will likely be out for the season. So you're seeing there's a chance that maybe if they are still playing in June, because as we saw with Jimmy Butler, sometimes these meniscus injuries, six to eight weeks, so... I don't want to get anybody's hopes up too high, but... We're going into Gordon Hayward territory there. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded awfully familiar, the arguments we were hearing about him a week or two ago. And then Steve but I feel like after the news down. today, we got we got to stay positive, Bobby. Let's just stay positive. Yeah. Stay positive thoughts, and then hopefully that will translate. I'm glad you're you're pulling me in that direction because I just came into this show so sad. I'm I'm, go, I'm going in the right direction a little bit now, I think. Can you give me some hope on Marcus Smart? Because you had a Shams Sharania, I, I hope I said that right, uh, report today say that he tore his tendon. And then uh, Mark Murphy came out about an hour or two ago and said that, you know, Danny Ainge isn't necessarily sure about that yet. Do you have an update on him? Brad did not talk about Marcus. We were overloading him with injury questions. And Marcus, <laughs> unfortunately, was one that fell by the wayside. I will say... Also, Brad, we asked for um, update uh, update on Kyrie, and Brad said he had been talking about Daniel Tice all morning. So he didn't really have anything new on Kyrie other than they were going to take it slow. And um, he just said Al was still at home with a fever. So we did not ask about Marcus Smart. The reports that we have seen is that he's getting a second opinion. And as you mentioned, last night when he injured the thumb, he was wincing. He was clearly in pain, but... After the timeout, he came right back out and played. He took shots and made them in the fourth quarter. He didn't look any worse for wear in the fourth quarter of that game. And so he clearly was able to play through it for that night. I don't know how much adrenaline played into that, but he didn't seem to be in that much pain when we talked to him after the game. And then um, he did have some wrapping around that thumb last night. But leaving the arena, I saw him on his phone, and he was texting just fine with that thumb. So I think that there may be a sliver of hope there. I don't really, I really don't know that much about hand injuries and tendons in your thumb. The unfortunate part is that it is in his shooting hand. So I feel like that could have more of an effect than if it was in his left hand. But uh, I would say the the part, the only part that gives me pause on the reports is that he is getting second opinions. And so they are trying to find a hand expert. I think the overarching thing that I have thought about um, with the Kyrie news and um, just with everything happening is I feel like there is this cloud of Isaiah Thomas who, dealing with that hip injury last year, 
has said that if he had all of the information that he had this summer, that he might not have played on it. And so I think that everyone's working with an abundance of caution and understanding that what's best for the players in the long run is really what's most important, not only for them, but also, I think, for this team and for the future of this team. And that and is actually, so right right now. That, it actually was the same hand, so that's interesting. We, we got that confirmed. I was going to uh, say, if he's going to punch something, he's probably going to do it with a strong hand. Yeah. But it's not, I mean, that was on a... But that was on the top outside of his hand. It was not his thumb. So it's different. I don't think it's a re-injury. I think they're separate. We're, we're going to wait and see on these injuries. Hopefully it yes, does. Yes, exactly. Up- and that's the thing. We're doing this, but we are still missing so much information. Oh, and sure. they're off tomorrow with the snowstorm, so we might not know anything more until Wednesday either. Was Jalen Brown around at practice today? No, he was not. Brad said uh, they still are trying. They're trying to keep him home as much as possible. Talking to Brad yesterday before the game, he said it was Jalen's best day yet, but he still definitely had a headache and was still very sore, understandably, all over his body. And so, Brad said he doesn't expect Jalen to even begin to kind of work his way back through that NBA concussion protocol until the start of next week. I never got your reaction to that play. How, what was your vantage point on the play that he was injured on, and what was your first reaction to that? I was actually in Burlington in our studio watching it with Gal and Shanae Agul-McKay and Max Letterman. Um, it was just, it was frightening, and, and you could see it, the fear in all the players' eyes, and I think that's the scariest part. That's something I was in the arena on opening night for Gordon Hayward's injury and just the, the deafening silence after that happened, it's something that I will never forget. And you saw that shock and awe on, on the player's face, and I feel like you saw that again with Galen, just the overwhelming concern and no one really wanting to do anything, react too much. And it was just, I think that's really the scariest part because when it is something like that, it is something that can happen to anyone at any moment. Jalen just did not get a good grip on the rims. His hands were clearly sweaty, and he just slipped off, and his momentum carried him, and it was frightening. I am someone who doesn't like to watch injuries over and over again. I have seen Gordon Hayward's injury once, and I never want to see it again. And so the fact that TNT kept replaying it, I just I had to turn away. I had to stop watching, and I will be okay if we never have to see it again. Absolutely. I I remember the deafening silence as well. Just and the excitement for that opening night game combined with that, it just like was the perfect mix of emotions, good and bad, in that moment. This season's been insane. <laughs> this has been one of the more one of the more interesting Celtic seasons we have. We're reaching the end of it at this point. What for you has been the most memorable moment or portion of the season so far? Unfortunately, it is probably opening night and the Gordon Hayward injury. And just not only did the air go out in the arena that night, it felt like the air went out in the season. And then I will also take with me that 16-game win streak that came just a few nights after, that started a few nights after that. And how this team came together, I think that's what stuck out to me. And I was talking, we actually had a, um, like it's called a, 
playoff media day where we bring the players in and try to get new video and new sound for the playoff games. And talking to the players today, it was a question I had because they had this roster, if you remember, I mean, that's all we were talking about. They returned four people from last year's team that made it all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals. But somehow this team and this group has gelled quickly and they still continue to play for each other and shows me that that's what Celtics basketball is. That's kind of what Brad instilled in everyone that plays for him. And it has amazed me how quickly these guys have come together, how much they do want to play for one another and do have one common goal and are willing to do whatever it takes to get there, which I think, as you've been saying, is what makes today so hard because you don't want to see those guys go down. You don't, they don't want to see those guys go down. And we have seen people step up, and Scal tells us that all the time, is that someone's injury is another man's opportunity, but it just... Yapusole. We're going to see him now. Sean. Yes, that's Brad said. He was on a plane. He is here. Got in tonight. He will be here ready to go on Wednesday night. And Wednesday night will be an ESPN game, but we will look for Abby Chin the next time. She is... You can still watch it on NBC Sports Boston. Really? We're doing the double coverage. That's exciting. Yes. I'm back in Boston yes. now, too, so I finally get to see the uh, local coverage, which is what you want to be with, NBC Sports Boston and the whole Who crew over there. Who doesn't want to hear from Tommy? Yeah, you can't miss that. And it was great to see Tommy back the other night. It's, it was, it's been, yes. It's been tough without him. I know. We've anyway. been dealing with his injuries, too. Yeah. It's, it's no tough. one is immune from the injury it, bug right now. It's definitely March the dog days and we're facing a storm as well so thanks for everyone who is with us today staying home in the snow abby chin thanks for being with us as well it was great to finally speak with you i've been watching you for years this is the first time i've ever actually spoken to you so i was very excited and nervous about this <laughs> no reason to be nervous but thank you for having me hopefully next time we'll have a little better news to talk about absolutely so for Abby Chin, for Bobby Manning, for CLNS Media and Celtics Blog, we will talk to you next week. That is episode number 30. We are 30 deep on the Celtics podcast, or Celtics Blog podcast. So we'll see you next week. And that is it. Good night, everyone. Reunion Arena in Dallas, where the Mavs and Lakers are playing tonight, was built in 1980. Now, you couldn't ask for a better facility. It's easily accessible, has all the comforts of a theater, and there isn't a bad seat in the house. But for some reason, there are those who prefer the Boston Garden, mostly those who wear Celtic green. What is so special about the Boston Garden, other than the fact that it's a thousand years old? Let's take a look. First of all, a garden, it's not. It's a train station, really. One flight up and you're on the fabled parquet floor. Now, before you get all misty-eyed about the parquet, take a closer look.